mission. All right, I'm going to pray here quick, and then we're going to jump into the word. Father, we love you. We praise you for who you are. We thank you that we are all able to come here and gather together and lift up your name. God, I just pray that your word would speak to us today, that our hearts and our ears and our minds would be open to what you have for us. God, I pray that I would get out of the way this morning so that people could see you and see what you have for them this morning. We love you and we praise you. And that's in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you guys noticed that sometimes, as the church, we like to take stories from this Bible and turn them into children's stories? Has anyone noticed that? So you think of, like, you know, Moses and the Red Sea, or you think of Noah's Ark or Zacchaeus. And I understand why we do that, right? Because we don't want to walk into Timmy's room at night and say, okay, Timmy, I'm going to tell you the story of Noah's Ark. So Noah and his family got on the, on the boat, and then God killed everyone else on earth. <laughs> Good night, buddy. Turn off the light, walk out, right? So, like, it makes sense that we've made them appropriate for children to hear it, right? But Zacchaeus was not just a wee little man. Did you know that? He was actually a very wicked man, right? He was a man who made money off the persecution of his own people. But I think sometimes we make it child appropriate, right? And then we grow up, we become teenagers, we become adults, but we still just think of these stories as children's stories. But God has so much more for us. He has so much, like this word is for all of us. It's, those stories aren't just for kids. And so I like to go back and look at some of those stories and see, okay, what is God really saying? What is God saying to me now as a teenager, now as an adult? What is he trying to speak? So that is what we're going to do today. We're going to look at one of my favorite Bible stories, David and Goliath. You guys ready for this? All right, yes, David and Goliath is the best. Growing up, you know, as kids, we always heard it was about this small guy who defeats the giant, right? It was the story of an underdog, that if you would just believe, if you would just have faith, you can defeat the giants in your life. That's not what this story is about. That is not what God is trying to communicate to us. And so we want to look at the text today and see what he has for us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to encourage you, always bring your Bible to church whenever Pastor Jeff and Christy are speaking. I always have my Bible, my notebook. I open up to the references. I'm underlining things, writing things down. Because then the next time when you go back and you're reading that text, you go, oh, yeah, I remember what he said about this. Oh, yeah, I remember how this connects with that. And it really helps in understanding this book and growing in your relationship with God. So I want to set the scene here before we get into the text. we got two armies that are about to go to battle, all right? The Israelites, God's army, they're on one hill. And then we got the Philistine, boo, they're bad. We don't like them, okay? They're on the other hill. And then in between them is a valley, all right? So you can kind of imagine the tension that's going on here. This battle is about to take place, and that is where we're going to pick up the story. 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, his height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So here we are introduced 
to Goliath, right? So we have these two armies, and then this giant Goliath comes on to the scene. And so I was doing some reading, some looking at some commentaries, and there's some debate as to how tall Goliath actually was. I saw anywhere from six foot nine to nine foot nine. But for me, I'm a visual person, so I just think of Shaquille O'Neal, all right? So just imagine Shaq, except he's just completely ripped. He's got armor on. He's got a sword that you probably couldn't even lift up, and he walks out there. And what do the Israelites do? They're like, oh boy, what is going to happen here, right? So verse 8 says this, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So Goliath comes out here looking like a beast, right? And he calls out and challenges them and says, there's no need for all of us to fight. There's no need for all these men to die. He says, I'm clearly the best of the Philistines, so why don't you send your best man out? We will fight to the death, and that will de determine which army is victorious. You want to know what the Israelites did? They freaked out. They had no idea what to do. They were scared. They're all, can you imagine them standing there, like, all looking at each other, like, are you going to go? I'm, and then one guy's probably like, oh, you know, I got this tweak in my back. I got to go to a chiropractor. I, I'm obviously not the best choice. You go ahead, right? And so this goes on for 40 days. Goliath comes out in the morning and challenges them. He comes back in the evening, challenges them. And the Israelites are scared, and they, some of them even run away. Some of them abandon their posts because they are so afraid. Okay, so now we've kind of set the scene. We've got the armies. We've got Goliath. But where's David, right? I thought this was David and Goliath. Where is David? And before we get to where David is, I never want to assume that everyone knows who this David is. So if you're in here today and you're saying, like, who, who's this David? Well, this is the same David who would one day become king. This is the same David who we, who we say, and the Bible says, has, is a man after God's own heart. And so this is that David as a young boy. And I love that this story is about David when he's young. You want to know why? Because I work with students. God works through young people. God works through students. And guess what? He works through young people in ways that he doesn't work through me or you. You want to know something crazy? I can't walk into schools and invite kids to come to church. Can you? Nope. God gave that job to our kids. And so we never want to limit what God can do. I think so often we think, oh, once they're graduated or once they finish college, then, then it's the adults that build the church. Teenagers are essential to the church. God has a mission for them. He has a purpose for them. They are essential. They are just as important as the pastor, as the elder. They are essential to the church. Never limit what you think God can do through a teenager. I got to tell you, I'm very impressed with the next generation. You can say whatever you want about them. Obviously, every generation has their flaws. Like, I still don't understand what yeet is. I am not on the TikTok because I do not belong on the TikTok, right? But I love the next generation, and I love the passion that they have. They are so passionate about doing good, about loving others. And, man, I think as God continues to move, as he continues to grasp the hearts of young people, I think God's going to do something through this next generation uh, that's pretty big and pretty awesome. So where the heck is David? 
Okay, we got Goliath on the scene. We got, uh, so David is the youngest of all of his brothers. And his brothers, they have this really important role. They're soldiers in God's army, right? And so they're out there on the line. They're doing their duty. But where the heck is David? David is a shepherd. So he's taking care of the sheep. And you can imagine David seeing his brothers off doing this really important thing. He's sitting there being a shepherd. Have you ever had a time in your life where you're like, God, why am I here? God, why have you put me in this situation? God, why am I in this season? This started for me, the first time I can really remember it, um, it started back in middle school. Do you guys remember speech class in middle school? (laughs) Who thought that was a good idea? Let's get a bunch of super awkward, squeaky voice, sweaty pits, acne face kids, put them up in front of their class for five to ten minutes, and we'll see how that goes, right? Yeah? And you're sweating it. Oh, that was the worst thing ever. I'm like, God, why am I here? And then in high school, believe it or not, I was actually the captain of our football team. I know you could probably tell, but no, I, I literally was. I'm not joking. I was one of the captains. And so I had all these opportunities where I had to speak in front of the team. I had to speak in front of coaches, parents. I had to speak in front of the whole school at pep rallies. And I was all, I hated it. It was the worst. And I was like, God, why are you putting me in these situations? But now looking back, I'm like, okay, I know what you were doing. Even back then, you were already preparing me. Because he knew that someday I would get the chance to speak to students. Uh, He knew that someday I would get the chance to speak and share the gospel and share what God is doing in my life. And God was preparing me in those days. So David, I think he maybe was feeling like this too. Like, oh yeah, my brothers, they have this super important role. They're soldiers. And then there's me. I'm a shepherd, right? He's probably going, God, why am I here? But here's the thing. We know now God was preparing David. You see, when you're a shepherd, you have to protect the sheep. It really wasn't an easy job. It actually, there was some danger to it. He had to fight off wolves. He had to fight off lions, bears. And guess what? This is when he learned how to use a sling. I feel like that might come up in the story later. We'll see. Um, So for you, do you think that maybe God has you where you are for a reason? That maybe he's teaching you? Maybe he's molding you, preparing you, maybe for a season in your life that you don't even know is coming, right? And so David comes onto the scene like this. His brothers are up at the line, right? They're soldiers. His David's dad comes to him and says, hey, your brothers are hungry. Why don't you bring them some food? And so he brings them some food, and he starts talking to his brothers, and this is what happens. Jump to verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now remember, this has been going on for 40 days and 40 nights, or 40 mornings and 40 evenings when Goliath would come out and challenge them. But this is the first time that David sees Goliath. And he sees Goliath, he sees this monster of a man, and then he sees how the army reacts, how they get scared, how some of them run away. And this is David's response, which I love, verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. This is what I love about young people because we get so comfortable as we get older that we're not so willing to just go do things to let God stretch us, right? But if we look to young people, a lot of times they're just like, no one else wants to do it? I'll do it. I'll step up. I'll do it, right? And that's what we see David do here. He says, I will go. And so what does David do? You would think, okay, he's going up against this professional soldier, this giant of a man. Maybe it's been, this has been going on for 40 days. We can give it a few more days. Let's do some training. Let's prepare. But what does David do? He goes to the river and picks out some stones, right? 
and then he starts to walk out to fight Goliath. And I can just imagine this, you know, giant of a man being like, you've had 40 days to figure out who to send out, and this is who you send out, this boy with some rocks, and Goliath's probably laughing, right? And so jump to verse 45. This is what David says to Goliath. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with the sling and the stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And so we see here that David defeats Goliath, that David trusted in God, and God protected him. Does anyone in here like movies? Yeah? What do you guys like? Star Wars, anyone? No? This is, okay, that was just an awkward transition because I was trying to get my water, sorry. <laughs> I love movies, okay? And so when I see a story like this, I'm like, okay, how would this play out in a movie? Like, where would the camera be? What would the special effects be? Like, how would this play out in the cinema, right? And so that's what we're going to do. You guys ready for this? Okay, imagine now, this is the scene. David is walking out to face Goliath. The camera is on him. Okay, he's slinging the stone. He throws it. The camera follows the stone, and it hits Goliath right in the forehead and sinks in. Okay, you with me? Now the camera angle is going to change, all right? We're behind Goliath now, all right? So you, all you see is this monster of a man from the back, and all of a sudden, he starts to wobble, okay? And now he falls forward. Boom. He's so dense that all the dust kicks up. And that's all you see. This is great, isn't it? You, all you see is dust. And then as the dust settles, who do you see standing there with his sling? Ooh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it, right? David standing there with his sling. And then behind him, the armies of the Israelites, the army of God cheers behind him, right? Wouldn't that be an amazing scene in a movie? Guys, that is what that is what this Bible is. Like, I think we'd like dumb it down and we like don't make it exciting. Like, this was a huge moment in history. God came through. God worked through a young boy to defeat the giant. Like, how amazing must that have been to witness that? But it gets better. Okay. So then guess what? Guess what David does? This is my favorite. He walks over to Goliath. He takes the dude's sword, and what does he do? <coughs> Cuts off his head. Yes, let's go. And he grabs the head. And I can just imagine him like walking back to the Israelite army and be like, wait, was this the guy? You guys are scared of? This was him, right? Like how, like how awesome is that? Gosh, God is so good that he gives us these stories. It's so amazing. Now, when we hear this story, and even as I'm up here right now, right, who do we like to think that we are in this story? David, right? We like to think we're David slinging that stone, that if we would just have faith, if we would just believe, then we can defeat the giants that we face. But the reality of it is, is that we're the scared Israelites in this story. 
In fact, we're not even the Israelites standing at the line watching. We missed the whole thing because we're the Israelites who ran off. We're the Israelites who abandoned their post. Who's David in this story? Jesus. David is representative of Jesus. The text is saying that you don't have the strength to defeat the things in your life. You don't have the strength to defeat death. But there is an advocate who went to battle on your behalf. He saw that you were weak. He saw that you were a sinner. And he went out and he defeated the giant so that you could be set free. We are not David in this story. David is Jesus. And this is the foreshadowing as well. Because what does David say? He says, the battle is the Lord's. And we know that there was another battle coming. Another battle that was so much bigger and more important than the battle against Goliath. And that was the battle against sin. The battle against death. And that Christ would defeat that battle on the cross. I think sometimes we forget that this whole book, from Genesis to Revelation, is not about us. This book, everything in here, points to Jesus. And he invites us to be a part of this story, but we're not the main character in here. He gave us this so that we could learn and grow closer to the one that this book is about. And I love scripture because time and time again it shows us that an advocate, an advocate was sent before us. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, he sent who? Jesus so that we could be saved and have eternal life. David was an advocate for his people. He fought the battle on their behalf, and Jesus did the same for us. He went to battle knowing that it would cost him everything, knowing that people would reject him, knowing that we are broken. He took the penalty because we couldn't. He chose death so that we could be set free. And so I want to ask you this question today. Are you letting Christ be your advocate? Are you letting him go to battle for you? Or are you trying to do it on your own? We work with students, so we see a lot of different things that go on in their lives. But I think a lot of the struggles that our students have may be some of the same struggles that we have. Are you struggling with pornography? Are you struggling with self-harm, with anger, with jealousy, with addiction? My hope is that you would take those things and that you would lay them at the foot of the cross. Because here's the deal. If you try to do it on your own, you will fail every time. You may be able to white-knuckle it for a little while. You may be able to not do that thing for a little while. But, man, if you really want freedom, you need God to set you free from it. Like, think about lust for a second or pornography, right? Just because you're not doing the action, does that mean you're really set free from it? If, if, let's say, you go a couple days and I didn't look, I didn't do it, but what's going on in your mind? Is it controlling you? Is every day a struggle to not look? Then are you really set free? There's only one way you can be set free, and that is through Jesus Christ. Another thing I love about this story um, is that David fought Goliath in a literal valley. And to me, that speaks that God is saying, I am going to come into the valley with you. I am going to walk into the valley and be beside you and go in front of you and fight the battle on your behalf. God wants to fight for you. He wants to be your advocate. But here's the thing. He doesn't promise that we'll never struggle. One of my favorite books of the Bible, uh, favorite chapters is Daniel chapter 3. Another Bible story, the fiery furnace. All right, remember this one? You got um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're about to be burned alive, thrown into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to the idol, right? They said the only thing we're going to bow down to is our 
God. And the king says this, well, what will your God do when I throw you in the furnace? And this is my favorite. This is what they say. They say God can save us. He will save us. But even if he doesn't, he is good. Oh, I love that. How amazing is that? Because here's the deal. I can't stand here and promise an easy life for you or that your giants will even fall like Goliath, but I can promise faithfulness from God. I can promise you that God will walk with you in the valley. I can't promise that you won't suffer. I can't promise that you won't experience hurt, but I can promise that when you are in Christ, your salvation, your identity is secure. Your identity is not in your giants or your struggles or your valleys or the things that, you're face, that you face. Your identity is not in your past. It's not in your present. It's not even in your future. Your identity is secure in one thing and one thing alone, and that is the cross of Christ. You don't have to try to win the battle with your own strength, and you can't. But as believers, we get a rest in the fact that ultimately and eternally, Christ has already won victorious and he's going to walk through the valleys of life with you. Worship team, whenever you're ready, you guys can come on up. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of response here. And teenagers are really good at this. They are awesome because they are so open to what God has for them. And again, I think as we get older, we get uncomfortable. And so we don't always like to let God work in our hearts and in our lives. But we're going to do that today. I want to ask you this. What are the giants in your life? And when you came in, you should have got a piece of paper. If you don't have one, you can raise up a hand. We can get one to you. And as I'm finishing up here and as I'm praying, I want you to think about the things that you struggle with in your life. I want you to think about the valleys or the season that you're in, the things that you have been trying to get through on your own. And again, I just want to ask you, are you letting God go to battle for you? Are you letting him be your advocate? And the first step for you today is this. It's to take those things and to write them down and then you got to lay them at the foot of the cross. That's the first step. you got to say, okay, God, I can't do this on my own. I don't have the strength. I need you to go to battle for me. And you need to lay it down at the foot of the cross. And then the Holy Spirit's going to go, okay, this boy's ready to play, okay? And the Holy Spirit's going to start to speak to you and say, okay, now this is what I'm calling you to do. Because it's not very often that we lay something down and then we never struggle with it. Usually it's you lay it down and then the Holy Spirit says, okay, here's the first step. Here's the first thing I'm asking you to do. Here's the first thing you need to do to be set free. What direction does God want you to go this morning? That's what I'm asking you. If you're in here and you struggle with lust, maybe it's time, the whole, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, time for some accountability. It's time to come clean with my spouse about what has really been going on. If you're in here today and your relationship with your spouse sucks, maybe the Holy Spirit is gonna say, it's time to get some counseling. It's time to get some help. And hey, hot tip here. I've only been married for nine years, but if your spouse is saying that something is wrong, if your spouse is asking for counseling and saying something is wrong, something is wrong, even if you think it isn't. So what's the step God is asking you to take today? If you're in here, you're struggling with addiction. Maybe you struggle with, you know, alcohol, and that's just been an ongoing struggle. Maybe no one even knows about it, and you're able to push for a few days and get through and not, not drink, and you think, I'm going to get through this on my own, but lo and behold, you always fall back into it. Maybe God is saying, hey, it's time to come clean. It's time to lay it at my feet. It's time to get some treatment. What step is God asking you to take? And so I'm going to do something that's going to make some of you uncomfortable, but your teenagers rock at this. They rock at this. We talk about altars at youth group. Come 
come to the altar. There's, there's something about an altar because it's great that, yeah, you can sit in your seat and you can meet with God. Yes, God isn't just right here. But there is something significant about you saying, I'm going to get up out of my seat and I'm going to meet God down at the altar because we have some work we need to do. And so that's what I'm asking you to do today is to write down those things, which that's a step right there, just to write it down and be honest with yourself. And then when I say amen at the end of this prayer, I'm inviting you to get out of your seat and say, okay, God, I'm going to meet you down at the altar because I need to know what's next. I, I can't do it on my own. Holy Spirit, you need to speak to me, so I'm going to meet you down there. I'm going to be intentional. we got some work to do. And so I'm going to challenge you today as the church to respond, and then we're going to sing and worship together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are already working in the hearts and the minds and spirits of these people in this room. God, I want to pray right now for that person who is already thinking there's no way I'm getting out of my seat. God, I'm just praying that you will push them, put something on their heart, give them the strength to get up out of that chair and come forward because that is the person who needs it most. And so, God, we're just praying for a harvest today. We're praying that your word has embedded in the hearts of these people in this place, Lord Jesus, and that they won't just walk away and not take anything away, that they won't just walk away and move on with their lives, but that they will lay this stuff